Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's Foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Man, are there suddenly a lot of topics I'd like to get to when it comes to the NBA? Remember I said an episode or so ago that I felt like we were entering a quiet period, that there was always the potential for moves that would break the silence, but... Chances are, we weren't likely to get a steady dose of events for a couple of weeks. Well, I'm suddenly looking at having more topics to parse than I can get to this week. LaMelo Ball only doubled down on the importance of tackling whether being a minor league pro or going to college is more advantageous for players coming out of high school when he said recently, we don't need college. And there's the odds released on who will win MVP next season with Luka Doncic once more at the top, just as he was last year. I told you not to bet on him and gave you my smart dark horse bets, one of which was Nikola Jokic, the eventual winner. You're welcome. And I have a few for next season as well. But those will have to be placed on the back burners because... This episode will be dedicated to the conversation between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant about their time together on the Warriors and what ultimately inspired KD to leave. This, by the way, is apparently the start of a series of video podcasts by Draymond. He came out of the gate so hot, it reminded me of the first time I asked my now wife out on a date. A friend had rented out a yacht and arranged a catered dinner for about 20 people on it while cruising the San Francisco Bay for New Year's Eve. I wasn't dating anyone that I was into enough to invite them when he first told me about it, so I planned to go solo. 
Then a friend set me up on a blind date two days before the cruise. That's how I met my wife. I decided to ask her to join me on the cruise. And all my boys said, bro, you are setting the hook deep. What the hell are you going to do for a second date? That's how I feel about Draymond's first pod. It's going to be hard to follow up this first episode. FYI, I took her bowling for the second date. I needed to balance the scales. Also, bowling allows you to sit back and check out your date to your heart's content without looking like a creeper. I highly recommend. The beauty of Draymond interviewing KD is that we heard them talk in a way we might not have otherwise. The downside is that we didn't hear all the questions that needed to be asked. And while often media are accused of having agendas with the questions they ask and how things are edited, players obviously can too. This was a case in point. Now, there are pluses and minuses to an interview subject being completely comfortable and at ease. The upside is they talk freely. The downside is they're probably not being asked anything that forces them to really open up. And yes, that includes the argument that Draymond and KD had in the final seconds of regulation in the 14th game of what would be Durant's last season with the Warriors. No, he did not open up. Yes, he gave us some insight that maybe we previously didn't have. But did they really cover the subject? I would say that they provided an angle on the subject that we had not seen before. Because in looking back at what led up to the argument, both in the game and in the season, a lot more happened than two teammates exchanging words about a botched last possession in a tie game. That's how it has been dumbed down. Draymond had a beef with KD that led the latter to leave the Golden State Warriors. We don't dumb down things here on OTB, so we're not going to buy into that skewed interpretation of events. Even if this latest conversation with Draymond and KD lends that narrative undue credence as well. The issues started well before that Monday night in mid-November down in LA at the Staples Center where the Warriors would lose in overtime to the Clippers. Only their third loss of the season against 11 wins, but their second loss in the last three games. The Warriors were dealing with an array of injuries, Draymond among them. Three games earlier, he played less than 14 minutes because of a foot injury. He'd been dealing with an array of nagging injuries since the start of training camp. Sore knee, sore ankle, bruised hip, turf toe. Steph Curry was also dealing with a strained groin, missing a stretch of 11 games, including that OT loss, that fateful OT loss to the Clippers. Draymond was still trying to operate as the team, as the team's primary playmaker, and was doing a half-decent job of it in spite of all the injuries, collecting double-digit assists in four of the first 11 games. But the injuries no doubt had him a step slow, the angles were changing, and it resulted in a lot more turnovers as well. Four or more in five of those first 11 games. KD, meanwhile, was taking up the slack, both as a scorer for Steph and a playmaker for Draymond. 
Two nights before the Clippers game, KD dished out 11 assists while scoring 33 in a win over the, wait for it, Brooklyn Nets. He would collect 10 more as part of a triple-double against the Clippers, with the Warriors starting a backcourt of Quinn Cook and Damian Jones, again because of all those injuries. KD was taking ownership of the team, and there was a lot to own, but it was resulting in wins. So let's set the scene. The Warriors, collectively, were not playing particularly inspired basketball for most of the night. The Clippers shooting 60% in the first half. But Golden State stormed back with a 19-5 run to tie the game with 60 seconds, 67 seconds left. Then, Clay Thompson missed a three. Lou Williams answered by missing a long two, because of course he did. KD grabbed the rebound, then got down the court and pulled up from 31 feet with 32 seconds left, presumably so the Warriors were guaranteed one more possession. He missed. Sweet Lou, though, missed another long two, contested by Andre Iguodala the ball just nicking the front rim. Draymond and KD both went for it, but Draymond came up with the ball with about five and a half seconds left. Now, you can see Steve Kerr on the sideline who wants the ball to get into the front court and then call a timeout, but he's not demonstrative about it. And Draymond just pushes it up to the right side of the court. Clay runs past him on the right wing. KD is trailing in the middle of the court. Seemingly still not happy that he didn't get the ball immediately. And he's clapping his hands for the ball as soon as Draymond gets into the front court. Now, Draymond opts to drive toward the paint, prompting Clay to cut to the basket. But Draymond fumbles the ball, falls to the floor, buzzer sounds, no shot attempted, sends the game into OT. That's where KD picks up his sixth foul with within 64 seconds of OT, and the Warriors lose 121-116. Draymond, by the way, played the entire extra five minutes and did not record a point, an assist, a rebound, steal, or blocked shot. It was an amazingly non-productive five minutes for a guy who usually stuffs the box score in a variety of ways. But let's be clear about the chain of events since they've now been conflated to Draymond Green being the unequivocal instigator. We're talking about the team's primary playmaker and leader in assists the previous three seasons and would do so again in 2018-19. All of them resulting in a trip to the finals and two championships. He's the one who got the rebound and started the fast break, which had been the source of much of the Warriors' success. Draymond's ability to defend and rebound against bigger players and then blow by them going the other way and finding Steph or Clay or KD for a fast break three. The fact that Draymond didn't have to look for a guard and make that extra pass or could pass it ahead or could handle and drive was the secret sauce. Everybody acts as if he did something outrageous in not immediately handing the ball over to KD, and I disagree. Under pressure, instincts take over, and his were more attuned to getting the ball up the court and making a play, which I assume he would have had he not fumbled the ball. 
There's also the case of where KD was clearly trying to take over the team and to take some of the responsibility that had always been Draymond's. I have to believe that Draymond was feeling some of that and, in spite of the injuries, still wanted to be the contributing factor that he'd always been because he's not going to be as a scorer. So if it's not as a playmaker and he's dinged up, then defensively he's going to be struggling. It suddenly makes Draymond's role very small. In any case, KD trailing and clapping for the ball is a clear show of disrespect. And doubling down by barking at him in the subsequent huddle between the end of regulation and the start of OT simply wasn't necessary. KD could have run the floor hard the same way Clay did. There wasn't a need for a three. The score was tied at 106. Draymond driving actually made sense. All that said, I assure you, Draymond knew he messed up. He wasn't looking for his own shot or trying to be a hero because he's never played that way. As I noted, he'd been struggling with injuries. He knew he wasn't completely on his game. So his level of frustration was probably already up there. I tell you, he wasn't looking for his own shot or trying to be a hero because he's never played that way. He's simply not afraid to be the orchestrator with the game on the line. And KD was intruding on his well-established territory. And then yelling at him for not allowing him to intrude on his territory. This is not a dispute about who the better player is. It's about what you're used to doing or what they were used to doing. And a shifting of command in the middle of it. And even that is not so much it as how it was done. KD was just telling Draymond to move aside. This is a teammate that brought you to Golden State, who asked you to come to Golden State and won a championship with you. You would just expect that there'd be a little greater level of respect and understanding and by any means not to make a public scene with the game still on the line. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is where I agree with Draymond's assessment that demanding him to apologize to KD was effed up. If indeed that's what GM Bob Myers and Coach Steve Kerr demanded of him, as he said in the interview. As was suspending him for a game. The rumors were already out that KD, a pending free agent, was not planning to stay with the Warriors or thinking about not playing with the Warriors for another season. And his aloofness, sudden aloofness, because it wasn't there the first year he was there, his aloofness only fed into that, or his first two years that he was there. The Warriors' brass and ownership were on pins and needles 
fearful of doing anything that would further alienate KD. Perhaps not clear on exactly why he was pulling away in the first place. But the right thing to do would have been to pull KD and Draymond into a room and hash it out. Or the entire team into a room and hash it out. But here's the thing. The bottom line is KD was as as responsible for the beef as Draymond was. And let's be clear about something else. Beefs like this are not uncommon. What was uncommon is KD clapping his hands and barking at Draymond. And then Draymond having to be pulled away with overtime and a chance to win still very much alive. And I can't help but wonder if Draymond's performance in overtime wasn't affected by all of that drama during the timeout. The part of the interview that has everyone captivated is the part that I find most disappointing. Draymond essentially asks KD to clear his name by saying that their argument isn't the reason he left. And KD does, saying it wasn't the argument that bothered him. It was how it was handled by the entire team and that it wasn't handled. It was sort of papered over. Draymond was at fault. Let's punish him. Let's keep it moving. Then Draymond recounts how Kerr and Myers told him that night after they returned to Oakland, which had to be like at least two or three in the morning. I've been on a couple of those flights. It's late. And pulled him into a room, had him there for nearly two hours, trying to convince him that he had to apologize to KD, which Draymond resisted. And then how they suspended him for a game when they met the next day, and he still refused. Draymond also says in the interview that he told them at that time that they were going to F up the situation and includes, concludes that they indeed effed it up, with which KD agrees. I'm not disputing that Myers and Kerr could have, should have handled it different, though I would bet a lot of dollars that owner Joe Lacob is the one who demanded they approach it as they did. Simply because it sounds like Joe Lacob would address it and doesn't sound like what I know of Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and the way they've generally handled disputes. But the total lack of accountability all this time later on the part of KD and Draymond is a little much. Draymond has never been afraid to address any issue, which is one of the things I find so refreshing about him. He's usually honest to a fault. KD, meanwhile, fancies himself a leader and intelligent. So what was stopping either one of them from bringing the team together and hashing it out? Or KD going to the Warriors and saying that suspending Draymond was not the right way to resolve the issue. And I, I can't help but feel KD never having been in a committed relationship or having kids left him without the tools or understanding to handle the whole situation in a different way. And I say that as someone who probably would have handled it exactly as he did at his age, maybe worse, because I got married and had kids well after my 32nd birthday. What I learned, though, is that it's not about what I'm looking to get out of a relationship, 
It's what I'm willing to give to it that is going to make it a healthy one for me. And sometimes that requires really difficult conversations that I'd rather not have. But I know that if I don't initiate it, there's a chance it'll never happen. Being married and having kids also has taught me that when things get rough, I can't just dip. I suppose I could, but because I cherish who I have in my life and the responsibility that comes with it, my motivation to resolve challenges in the present is because I value my family's future together. And I feel it's my responsibility that if I look around and nobody else is taking the lead on something, that I have to, because otherwise it's not going to happen. And I don't want to lose what I have. KD, and he indicates it later and or elsewhere in the interview, that he'd already felt like his time, his course had, had run with the Warriors. And that... Uh, the argument or how it was handled may have factored into it, but he already was not feeling that he had interest in a future with the Warriors, even before the incident with Draymond. So, yes, that it happened and the way that it was handled might have changed how he viewed the Warriors. But that doesn't mean it had to be the straw that crushed the proverbial camel's vertebrae. He could have, yeah, I said it that way. I've watched a lot of uh, Schitt's Creek lately, so um, I'm channeling Moira on that one. Anyway, he could have seen it as an opportunity for growth, that it could make them even stronger and close-knit and forge the bond for future title runs. But he didn't. He saw it as one more sign that it was time to go. There were all sorts of questions I wish had been asked in the conversation and slash interview, but I'm not surprised they weren't because this really wasn't about getting to the heart of why KD left the Warriors. It was about launching Draymond's podcast series with a bang and clearing his name. The big, biggest question that went unasked is where Steph fit into all this because the Warriors will forever be seen as his team, even though KD was unequivocally the best player while he was here. It makes me think of Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez with the Yankees. A-Rod was overall the more talented player, at least in the regular season. But the Yankees were always going to be Jeets. Was it difficult for KD to be the two-time Finals MVP, but still feel as if he was never fully embraced by Warriors fans? Or recognized as the primary reason the Warriors won two more titles? Did KD ever get the sense that the players themselves didn't appreciate him as much as they could have or should have? Those are the, some of the questions I would have loved to have heard KD's response to. Because whether you believe the whole thing to be true, that KD could never be recognized as or the Warriors being recognized as KD's team it would always be Steph's in spite of the fact that KD was the best player if you if you any part of that you debate the fact is it's debated and that has to be frustrating for someone in KD's place in the conversation what I really don't understand though 
is why Draymond decided to pull the covers on Myers and Kerr. KD placed the blame on how the situation was handled. Draymond didn't have to disclose the details that he did after that, but he did. And by doing so, he has undermined the authority of both Kerr and Myers going forward. Draymond has challenged people in the organization before, but it was never in a way that discredited them. That is hardly helpful. Whether it's with the young roster the Warriors currently have, who now, I would imagine, look at Kerr and Myers in a far different light, or potential free agents or other additions, and how they're going to look at Kerr and Myers as they try to make one more title run before Steph calls it a day. Unless, and here I'm going to leave you with a conspiracy theory that I thought of on the fly during a conversation on Fox Sports Radio earlier. What if Draymond is trying to force his way out? What if, while playing for Team USA over in Tokyo, he spent some time with Damian Lillard, who would assuredly love to get Draymond in a Blazers uniform. Draymond is exactly the playmaking forward the Blazers have been trying to put alongside Dame and CJ McCollum in forever. And if there was a way to forever silence Dame wanting to go someplace else, bringing Draymond to Portland would do it. And if you're thinking, well, that's all that's kind of crazy, hey, uh, Chris Bosch, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James... They hatched, hatched their plot to all wind up in Miami and join forces while they were playing for Team USA. So there is a certain precedent. And what if Draymond is thinking, well, James Harden forced his way to Brooklyn. What's to stop me from forcing my way to the team of my choice? Obviously, both being in the Western Conference makes it a little more challenging, but, and uh, overall. It's, it's a wild thought. I give you that. In reality, I imagine Steph and Clay doing everything in their power to talk Dre out of such a move if he were ever considering it, and Dre relenting because of his equally strong attachment to them. But it still begs the question, where do the Warriors go now? Because this is an unresolved situation between Kerr, Myers, and Draymond as far as I can't imagine that Kerr and Myers are going to co-sign that what happened is exactly what happened. We shall see. And we shall see how it impacts this season for the Warriors. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United We Cast network please rate and review the show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts as mentioned at the top the whole question of whether playing in the g league or in overseas is better preparation for the nba than going to college is a topic we have to get to as well as the mvp odds or the odds on who is going to win mvp next season we will get to one of those subjects in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 